0: May the words of my mouth and the meditation of all our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our strength and our redeemer. Amen. Amen. Please be seated. When I read this gospel, I, I pictured this, this scene, folks climbing all over one another and, and, and wrestling to get to the head of the table and And I tried to imagine what it would look like, but then I didn't have to imagine because I'm about to embarrass my nine-year-old who's right there because what else are kids for other than to serve as sermon illustrations? I went and uh, preached and celebrated at his choir retreat at Camp Gravit last Sunday, right? Camp Gravit has wonderful food and so we prayed and we were sitting there and then they opened up the floodgates for the line, it's a buffet line. Right, My son was among the youngest, right, it's elementary on up through high school. And he, he and his friends, he's not alone, so it's not just him. He and his friends, they nearly jumped over the table. Because they had to get that mac and cheese first, I'm telling you. And so if only this gospel would have been read last week, I would have had a better conversation than just, Walker, you need to chill out. But then as, as I read this and, and what Jesus is saying, Jesus almost sounds... Like Ann Landers, right? Or Jesus sounds like Dear Abby. He's giving this advice. You can imagine these folks, the Pharisees and those other folks, they're, they're receiving this advice like Jesus is some sage saying, This is when you throw a nice party, this is what you're supposed to do. The forks go on the left, the knives on the, or I don't know which way they go. The forks go somewhere, the knives go somewhere. But that's, Jesus isn't giving a lesson in etiquette at least not the type of etiquette we think of. Jesus here is, is giving a lesson in kingdom etiquette, what it means to, to sit at the, the eternal feast, what it means to sit at the feast that we're about to share together. He's talking about what it means to be in community, what it means to care for others. And he's talking about hospitality. Hospitality. Right? The writer to the Hebrews talks about hospitality as well in his reading. And so that, that seems to be a theme that we have in our lessons today. So in our gospel, the second part then turns to the host. Jesus turns his advice giving to the host. And, and he, here he's, to me, he's clearly challenging the religious status quo. This is not merely talking about how you act when you're at a fancy dinner. He's challenging what the religious leaders have set up as their systems. Because just look at the type of people Jesus says to invite. Jesus says, but when you give a banquet, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, and the blind. If you turn all the way back to Leviticus, those people were specifically prohibited from serving as priests. Folks who were crippled, lame, or blind, they could not be part of religious class and you read other ancient Near Eastern documents things around at Jesus time those folks were often shunned from their communities and so what Jesus is doing here is he's talking about this radical hospitality this radical welcome this radical openness of his table in comparing that to the table that the religious leaders of the day tried to have and frankly talking about the religious table that we, today, too often like to have. Because Jesus' kingdom etiquette is all about practicing this radical hospitality. And if you look, the, the Greek word for, for hospitality is Philozenia, right? That xenia, right, we probably hear that when we talk about xenophobia, the fear of strangers. This hospitality that Hebrews is talking about, this hospitality that Jesus is talking about is the exact opposite. It's the love of strangers. So do y'all ever look at your Facebook memories? Sometimes you figure out what you were up to last year or five years ago. You look at how much weight you've gained in the last five or six, or maybe that's just me. Right, you, you look back and you can see how your life has progressed. As I've done that this past week, all my memories have been around Hurricane Harvey. My family and I lived in Houston two years ago, and so I see the stories of, of what it was like for us getting ready. You know, like you do, you buy all the eggs and the milk, because apparently when it floods, you're going to make French toast, and that's it. Right, and so all these memories came back, and it reminded me that the, perhaps the, the time in my life where I most experienced radical hospitality was then. It was this kind of three-week stretch of our lives in Houston. So Houston was a big storm. We have big storms a lot. We tried to stay in our home, right? We, we purposely, we, Houston floods, right? Houston was founded in the 1800s. The first year after it was founded the whole city burned to the ground. They built it back up the second year after it was founded the whole city flooded. They built it back up. Why they did that I don't know but they continue to do that. It's built on a swamp. But our particular neighborhood had never flooded any of the big storms we had in the past. We looked at the maps we we thought we were doing what we could. So we were safe. Hurricane Harvey was coming. We were safe. We were going to try to wait it out until the storm had passed. Now, the rest of the town was shutting down, right? Different neighborhoods were flooded. My wife was a school principal. Her school was flooded. The neighborhood around the church that I served was flooded. We served as a shelter. And so, so we thought, you know, we were kind of marooned in our little safe, dry neighborhood. We were going to stay there. We could help manage things with the phone and with the internet, and we could try to call on volunteers and do all it like we were safe. We weren't in the midst of the chaos. But then we realized we live two miles from one of the reservoirs in Houston. It's actually a golf course most of the time, but it's one of those things that's designed to hold a really a lot of water, because when you build a city that's designed to flood, you have to build places to flood it started to fill up all the rain that falls in Northwest Houston goes through that reservoir. Right. And it it crested. All the neighborhoods downstream were already flooded so the Corps of Engineers couldn't release any more water or else literally downtown Houston would have been underwater completely. All the neighborhoods would have been even more flooded. And so the core, God bless them, they were trying to do what they could. They were trying to keep the dams from bursting. So, but then it started to overflow. And when the water couldn't flow down that way, it overflowed this way. And my house was this way. And so the sun was shining. I have pictures, pictures of the sun shining through and we can map on my mailbox box, how high the water's getting They're like the rain had stopped. We're fine. But all that water came into our neighborhood. And so this week on Facebook Memories, I tracked the pictures where neighbors and I, we put one of these poles with, with inches and feet down by the creek, and we, we kind of tracked it, and when, when that pole got completely underwater, we put one next to our houses, another one. That one quickly started to get underwater. Now, I'll spoil the ending. My house actually didn't flood, right? Water came up to the threshold. We were fine. But... But as all this happened, then the worst thing imaginable happened. Our internet went out. (laughs) Right, we were high and dry and safe until Netflix went away. And at that point, we knew we had to call the Cajun Navy. And so we did, we called the Cajun Navy, we packed up backpacks for each of us, we moved as much furniture to the second floor as we could, and we waited. Eventually, a boat shows up, and and we get our backpacks on, I carry my dog, and we wait out, and for my boys, when they got into the boat, the water was about waist high in our driveway. So we helped them get on the boat, and that's where the story begins to show this radical hospitality because our boat belonged to two fishing buddies from Virginia who the day before had to do something. So they hitched up their boat, drove 16 hours, and parked it in the Kroger parking lot waiting for someone to tell them where to go. The woman helping us on to the boat was a reservist, a Navy recruiter, who was also a nurse from another part of Texas who came to that Kroger parking lot waiting for someone to tell her where to go because she had to help. And then when we get out of our neighborhood, we get to the highway area and it's it's dry. Remember it had not been raining for like 3 days at this point. So everything's dry, all this is. So there's a line dozens of cars, dozens as long as you can see down this highway. People just waiting to see what they can do. Cuz folks like us, families like us, we were getting off the boat, and we You know like we had one bag worth of stuff we were half drenched and they would come up and say where do you need to go and so the person that picked us up the couple that picked us up was was this Latino couple and they didn't speak much English we didn't speak much Spanish but but in our broken language we we got across that we wanted to go to this other intersection where some other friends were gonna come meet us and take us to other people's houses to stay for the next two weeks And so as, as we got safe and my wife and kids got in the, the cab of the truck and I was sitting in the back, the bed of the truck driving down this highway, I finally have cell service again. Right? And so I start texting my mom and my sisters in another town saying, hey, we're safe. We, we took a boat out of the neighborhood and now we got in the car with strangers that are taking us somewhere else. And my sister, trying to lighten the mood, she texted back and said, I thought you're not supposed to take rides from strangers. (laughs) Leave it to older sisters to be looking out for that, right? And I looked at the text this week to see exactly what I said. Because it came to mind when I read this gospel. I wrote back, I said, nobody is a stranger in Houston right now. These folks can't get to their house, but they have a truck, so they are helping. Nobody is a stranger in Houston right now. That is kingdom hospitality. That is kingdom welcome. That is the kingdom of God. We didn't speak the same language. There's probably not a lot we had in common, but we needed help and they needed to help. And as it turns out, this young man's name was Ishmael. And if you know about names, Ishmael can mean a couple different things. One thing it can mean is God hears. Right, so despite the fact that we couldn't really understand each other other than the name of a street, God hears. The other thing Ishmael can mean is God is near, right? so when we were in this moment that that to this day, when tornado sirens go off on your phone, you know when the things go off on your phone and it gets really loud. Like my kids and, and I frankly still get anxious. We were going through this moment. Ishmael showed up with his truck to remind us that God is near. Because that is the hospitality of the kingdom of God. It's not this hospitality where we want what we want, and if there's something left over, other people can join the table. It's not the scene in that Pharisee's living room that night where folks are jockeying for position, folks are jockeying for the place of honor, and leaving crumbs for the others. That is not kingdom hospitality. Rather kingdom hospitality is the table where Jesus is the host and everyone has a seat. Every last one of us, regardless of our resume, our pedigree, our economic status, any type of identity we claim, our reputation, not even if we speak the same language. At this table here at this table, we are set free from the burden of jockeying for position. We are set free from the burden of trying to place ourselves first. We are set free from the burden that our culture, our world, our own greed and insecurity and selfishness, we are set free from all those expectations. Because here at this table, here at God's table, we find ourselves welcomed by God. We find ourselves in the presence of this hospitality, this love of strangers, this love of us who are strangers. Here in God's kingdom, we find that welcome. And so we come to this table, we come to this table here weekly to receive that welcome, to receive that invitation, to receive that rest, to receive that nourishment for the work, of head, work ahead. But we don't stay at that table. Because shortly after we gather at the table, we are sent forth. Here we're sent forth with the words of our deacon who tells us, go forth into the world, rejoicing in the power of the Spirit. Go in peace to love and serve the Lord. However it's phrased, we are told to go. We're told to go to a world that is broken, a world that is hurting, a world that is fighting with itself for the places of honor. We are told to go to a world that is neck deep in all the junk that we have around it. So we are told to go to that world and share the good news, the heavenly table, of the heavenly welcome, of the heavenly hospitality, where all of us strangers are welcome. Amen.